All right. Well, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father God, I thank you for these men. I thank you for what you're doing in our lives. I thank you, Father, that we have the opportunity to come together and learn what it means to be men, Father, to, to hear from you and to know that you grow us up in the power of the Holy Spirit and through your word, Father. And Lord, we just pray that your word speaks to us today. Lord, we love you. We embrace you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So, man, a couple of things this morning that I want to jump in here and talk to you about and visit with you about. Last week, one of the questions was, how do you separate yourself or take time yourself in order to reply or respond in a positive, good way? Because sometimes, you know, we as men get a little fiery. Sometimes we react and, and we're reactive instead of being proactive. Sometimes, men, you know this for sure that, that oftentimes we respond right to to a situation maybe in ways we don't want to some of us respond in anger some of us respond out of frustration some of us respond out of things that we think uh uh we or or ways we we've been taught growing up and so the lord has a way that he wants us to respond the lord has a way that he wants us as men to to be peacemakers to be able to come in and look even if it's not peaceful even if we're standing for what's wrong, for what's right and opposing what's wrong, what God wants us to do is have the opportunity to, uh, to bring his peace, to bring his truth. And then if, if they react, they react how they react. But God's word is always true. It's always worth uh, standing upon. So last week that question came up. And as that question came up, uh, Bobby just jumped in there and said, one of the things that we're taught in our church is to pause, ponder and pray. Pause, ponder, and pray. I look back to see when the last time I taught that. We say it all the time. As a matter of fact, it's an axiom here among us men because we always say, hey, take time to pause, ponder, and pray. Just just use your gap theory, right? Take that gap. You're not an animal. You don't have to fight or flight. You, you've got a gap time that you can pause and that you can ponder and that you can pray. It was December 27th, 2015, the last time I preached that. It seems like it was last week, doesn't it? <laughs> because we say it a lot. We say it a lot. Today, I'm going to cover those principles right there, pause, ponder, and pray. And I'm going to spend more time on prayer, of course, than anything. But as we look at this, just know that that uh, there is a way, instead of being reactionist, that we can be proactive and we can come at it through a positive way, a positive word, and we can be the voice of reason because that's who we're called to be. God is a God of order, not disorder. Remember that. So if we're coming in and we're reactionist, Oftentimes what happens is as we react, we divide and uh, we become divisive and we become uh, aggressive. And there's nothing wrong with being necessarily aggressive in a positive way, but there's a lot wrong when we're aggressive in the wrong ways. And so uh, Luke chapter two, we're going to be talking about Mary because this is one of the, the places where we really see her take and ponder things in her heart. Now, you know the story of Mary and Mary, the mother of Jesus in Luke chapter two, verse 16. So they hurried off, found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured, she pondered up all these things in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So the things that the shepherds had been told, they found that they were. Mary had been told that she's going to she's gonna remain a virgin that the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow her, that she's going to be with child. So God had spoken to Mary. And because God had spoken to Mary, you have to remember and put yourself sometimes in Mary's shoes. Now, we're men. We can only go so far with that, right? 
<laughs> but hey, man, don't go too far with that. Just let me tell you, man, then we're going to have another message next week. But but what happens is, is Mary, she, she's been told all of these things. And after she's told all these things, um, she asks, how can this be? Right? How can this be that I'm just a virgin? And, and, and she's told the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. So she is speaking here at, at times to angels, at times to God, at times the Holy Spirit is just identifying with her spirit. But this is what she did. Instead of reacting in the way that most teenagers would react, she took time to treasure and to ponder these things in her heart. She held them. So when we talk about pausing, Mary took time to pause. She just, rather than react, rather than respond, she took time to pause. Man, we call that the gap theory. Now, not the gap theory in the sense that uh, theologians use it. We use it in the, in the, in the sense that scientists use it. The difference, we were all created on the, on the same day as the animals, right? You know this, the sixth day God created animals and he created you. And some of you, uh, it's evident, but we, anyway, let's keep going. We're created on the same, but animals are different from us because animals have the opportunity to, to basically fight or flight. So if you corner, uh, a tiger, right? Um, he's going to do one of two things. He's going to run if he can get away or he's going to jump on you. And uh, I, I prefer if it's a tiger, the first. But I would say this, that as humans, we have this gap. And this gap is that time that we can we can really say, okay, how are we going to respond to this situation? And one of those those ways, of course, is to take time to pause and to ponder. Now, to ponder is to reach out. It actually means to reach out, to sift out, to listen without interruption, and to see what God is saying or see what God is doing. In other words, what is the spirit? What is your intellect? What are you? You, you learn to weigh or value this sifting in your in your thoughts or of your thoughts pondering brings us to a place where we can actually hear god instead of hearing our flesh because as men we can be fiery well not me you know but you guys i'm just kidding we right we we can respond in ways that that oftentimes we walk away from there and say i wish i wouldn't have said that i wish i wouldn't have done that i wish i wouldn't have acted that way um i think of bobby knight i really like bobby knight um he was uh, a guy that I watched for years, you know, coaching basketball in Indiana and then wound up at Texas Tech and uh, <laughs> saw him one day in a restaurant and uh, not my kids, but saw some other kids go over and ask for his interview. And I kind of lost respect for him on that day because he was like, man, don't pester me. I'm just trying to eat. Right. And and I get it. I, I, I get that. But I also saw him uh, and he acted kindly. Uh, he just sent them on their way to some degree. Right. But I remember some of you remember when Bobby Knight picked up that chair. <laughs> Any of you remember that and threw it out across the basketball court? That was me in my younger days. And you walk away from there going, what? I wish I wouldn't have done that, man. Why did I act that? Now you're watching videotape of you acting the fool, right? So here's the thing. We don't have to. Now, I love this about Mary because Mary's heart was protected. It was pure. Her heart had not been defiled by the ways of the world. You know, today, when you think of our teenagers, when I look at my, my own teenagers, I've got three teenagers in the house right now. And, and I think about them and I, I oftentimes compare them with Mary, not in a bad or negative way, but to try to think of ways of keeping them pure because she was not defiled by the world yet. She was very mature for her age. In order to step away and really ponder these things in, in her own life, she wasn't worried about the makeup she was going to have on. She wasn't worried about the boyfriend that she was going to have, right? Uh, I just believe she had pure thoughts. She listened to her parents. 
right? And, and today it's a lot harder for teenagers to be that person. So men, we as fathers of the church, we have the opportunity to teach our kids to take time that you don't have to react, that you can be proactive, that as you're studying the word of God, there's a time here that you can become, uh, that you can hear God and, and, and have a ear to God. And as you have an ear to God, it will help you stay pure. And so, men, we've got to teach our children these things. Mary's a young girl here. She's a, a young woman coming into her womanhood, right? And she was still smart enough to know that I can take time to ponder and to treasure these things up in my heart. John Bunyan, any of you know who John Bunyan was or is? Some of you remember uh, Paul Bunyan. <laughs> okay, John's his brother. I'm just kidding. All right, John Bunyan, he wrote a book. He wrote a book out there. It's called The Pilgrim's Progress. Man, this is a, this is a tool uh, right here. The Pilgrim's Progress uh, gave this book to Wade years ago, and I bet Wade's read this book probably three times. Uh, just absolutely loves the book. It's a great book for really for young people as a whole. But he said this. He he wrote these words. He said, "He who runs from God in the morning will scarcely find him the rest of the day." And so if we run from God in our mornings, right, then we've already, what are we pondering throughout the day? We're usually pondering on our own thoughts instead of the thoughts of God. So one of the ways that we pause, ponder, and pray is, of course, our mornings. If you remember the Israelites, they, they were fed when? As the dew, right, came off the field. When does that happen? Usually right at daybreak. So God yearns to meet with us in the morning so that we can take time with him in the morning, pause, and we can ponder on the word of God that he gives us, and then we can pray on that word throughout the day. It's just, it's a good practical application to this message. Barner Research shows 84% of us pray at least once a week, 64% once or more a day, but only 41%, only 41% actually believe that it makes a difference. That's amazing. You ever think of that? So that tells me that most people who pray, they, they throw it up and hope it sticks, right? <laughs> they, they're just hoping. And you've probably been in that situation at times. There have been times. And, and here's the thing. When you learn to really pray in the spirit, and what I mean by that is, is when you come into conflict, uh, there's a lot of times I'm having a conversation with God in that conflict because I know how I'll react, right? And God, I need to be able to speak with a sound mind. And with love in this situation, because it's very difficult right now, right? Um, so here's the deal. If you're in that 40%, I don't want you to stop praying. Keep praying and ask God to start affirming and confirming a belief to show you the effects of your prayer. Sometimes I have to do that. Sometimes I have to just ask God while I pause, ponder, and pray, Lord, I'm not seeing you move in this situation. Will you show me? Help me to see if I'm not seeing it spiritually because I don't see it physically. I prayed for this person for healing for however long, right? And so, uh, uh, man, it's very important. Very, very important. Um, it's interesting to me, 15 years before, watch this, before 1963, and I'll, I'll explain the importance of that date. I shared a little bit with it Sunday about this date on Sunday. But for 15 years before 1963, pregnancies in girls ages 15 through 19 had been no more than 15 per thousand, 15 per every thousand girls. Now watch this. After 1963, pregnancies increased 187% in the next 15 years. Do you know what happened in 1963? That's right. Madeline O'Hare took prayer out of schools. Is that not amazing? I mean, the statistics, I'm, I'm kind of one of these guys that I like empirical data. Well, right here it is, right? 
For younger girls ages 10 to 14 years, pregnancies since, since 1963 are up 553%. We just, uh, we, uh, I, we've got some really close friends of ours that live in Lubbock that just adopted a little boy whose mother was 13, uh, young 13. Yeah, that's just amazing to me. Now, I'm not out there after anybody, chasing anybody. I'm saying this is the importance, men, of us being men of God to pause, ponder, and pray and to teach our children to do the same. I mean, Mary was already hearing the Lord at such a young age, such a young age. And so today, it's a young woman in some ways, a young girl that's teaching us. Isn't that cool? All right, so before uh, 1963, sexually transmitted diseases among students were 400 per 100,000. Since 1963, they're up 226% uh, in the next 12 years, so not even 15 years. The family, before 1963, divorce rates had been declining for 15 years. After 1963, divorces increased 300% each year for the next 15 years. You don't think prayer makes a difference? Golly, these are incredible statistics. Since 1963, unmarried people living together is up 353%. Since 1963, single-parent families are up 140%. Since 1963, single-parent families with children are up 160%. That's amazing to me. Prayer makes a difference. Now, Madeline O'Hare, uh, I shared about her. I watched a documentary on her last week since I was going to be talking about this. I figured I ought to know something about it. So I watched her. I didn't realize that uh, she was uh, kidnapped. Did you guys know that? Like the first service last week when I was preaching, they knew that, but the second service didn't know it. So the second service was enlightened. The first service was like, man, it's old news. Anyway, I didn't know that. But one woman who was able to take prayer all the way to the Supreme Court, of course, starting in New York, and go all the way to the Supreme Court and get a change for everybody. And here's here's what's happened since. I'm just giving you what's happened since. The educational system. This is interesting. The educational standard of the measure for the SAT scores, SAT scores had been uh, steady for many years before 1963. From 1963, they rapidly declined for 18 consecutive years, even though the same test had been used since 1941. So it's the same test, and that's the amount of decline after prayer was removed from schools. You know what they used to do before the SAT and before it was administered? Pray. <laughs> it's amazing to me. Now, there's I've got some other statistics, and rather we're going to have to move on. These statistics in the educational world, one of them that's really uh, fun to look at is to look at when they started opening private Christian schools and looking at Christian schools as compared to public schools and the SAT scores among both. Because how many of us, right, have said, well, if you educate your kids in one of those private schools or at home, you know, mm, they're going to be challenged or something. I'm not after those who are in public schools. My kids are in the public school system. I'm just telling you, men, uh, compare those two, those two numbers. Because SAT scores of those in private schools and those in home schools far exceeded those who were in public schools after 1963. Just amazing to look at some of that. And then the nation, since 1963, violent crime has increased 544%. Illegal drugs have become an enormous and uncontrollable problem. You know this. The nation has been deprived of an estimated 30 million citizens through legal abortions since 1973, right? So just 10 years later, we legalized Roe versus Wade. So here's my point. Don't be in that 40%. Your prayer makes a difference, men. 
So when we take time to pause, ponder, and pray, it makes a huge difference on the impact of our children and on the impact of this nation and for the impact of the world. If we could teach anyone anything, it's probably the first thing is to learn to take time to pause, to ponder uh, the world, to ponder the situation, and to pray. Now, you may say, well, what about the Word of God? We're going to teach people how to read the Word of God and the importance of reading the God. Uh, reading the Word of God. There's no doubt Bible intake is my number one spiritual discipline, if you want to know. Even even above prayer is number two, because here's why. The Scripture says this, we do not know how to pray except for the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with prayers and groanings too deep for words. That tells me, how do we know that? Because we read it. <laughs> so, yes, but if I can teach anyway, I had a young man that approached me on the street just the other day. I preached a funeral. Everybody left the funeral. I was the last one at the church. I was leaving, and uh, this guy had a hoodie on. I mean, uh, had his pants pulled down a little ways, you know, and he said, hey, are you the pastor here? And I said, no, <laughs> because I wasn't at our church. I was at another church. <laughs> and he goes, I've been waiting outside for somebody to talk to me about about your Christianity and your belief and all this stuff. This was Friday. And I was like, man, of all things, you know, I think that's funny because uh, that's random. You guys know that? I mean, preachers are always hearing stories about other people running into people in prayer. This happened to me. And so this guy comes up to me and he's asking me all these questions. And so I just told him, I said, hey, I said, uh, okay, let's just start with something. Tell me your history. Tell me your heritage. Tell me what you believe. He said, the first thing I want you to know is I'm not uneducated. I said, okay, that's cool. I said, okay, uh, what does that mean? And he goes, that means that I've studied Eastern religion. I've studied this religion. I, I mean, and he went on to all of them. He said, tell me why Christianity uh, is, is the right religion. And I said, man, you just opened Pandora's box. Do you know who Pandora is? I don't believe in them. Anyway, so from there, we we were able to have a conversation. But here, here was the cool thing about the conversation. When we were done, this is what I told him. I said, I want to pray for us, and this is what I want you to do. I just want you to go pray. But I want to tell you what to pray. I want you to pray that the one true God will reveal himself to you. And I want you to be open to it because I trust my God that much. I don't have to convince you. My God will convince you. The Scripture says that he will call all men unto himself. So you go pray that prayer. So I didn't have time, right, to unpack the Word of God with him, but I had time to tell him, hey, go pray. Go do this. So Luke 1, 46 through 55. Now, I'm not going to, I don't, I can't read all of this scripture right now, so I'm just going to move quickly through this. I'll, uh, but let me just go to verse 46. So this is Mary. She has paused. She has pondered deep within her heart all the things that are going to be taking place. Her life's about to get tough. You guys understand this. It's uh <laughs> we got a teenage pregnancy going on here. Things are about to get tough, real tough. She's she's engaged to be married. All these things are are to to happen. And now there's she can't hide this situation between her and the Lord. So here we go. Verse 46. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. So here is Mary, and as she paused, pondered, and prayed, this is where she wound up. She said, he is mindful of even me. She sees herself in many ways as a lowly, humble servant. That's, that's all she is. She's worked in the fields. Uh, she's harvested grain. She's gleaned the fields. She's helped her parents. She's, she's upheld the, uh, uh, all the traditions. 
of her culture. And so she, but she's remained humble. God has come to her and men, he will come to us as we humble ourselves and understand that he is God and, and that he sees the needs of every individual men and women who, who would call upon the name of the Lord. He sees our needs. He hears our needs. He, he is activated oftentimes through our voice. You know how I know this? Because the scripture tells us we have not because what? We ask not. Isn't it something that God would be activated upon the voice, the very voice of man? Now that shouldn't make us prideful. It should make us men more what? More humble. <laughs> that we would be like Mary and she just took time to pause, ponder, and to really pray about this, to hold these things. So, uh, got a couple. I've got three application points, man, and we'll just zip through these real quick. We want to pray for God's kingdom to come. When the disciples go to Jesus, they said, please teach us to pray, right? And so Jesus says, he didn't say, and if you pray, he said, but when you pray, pray in this way. And, and one of the ways he says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Guys, this tells me that, that the kingdom of God does not happen by accident. I want you to hear me. The kingdom of God does not happen by accident. It is not coincidence. And this is why we can't be reactionists. Because if we believe that our prayers are powerful and that as we pause and ponder and we hear God's voice speak to our heart, if we believe that, that God knows even his most lowliest of servants over here, that he knows me by name, if we believe that, then here's what we believe, that the kingdom of God will not happen on accident. That is, it is us who calls it into action. And many times when we speak, we're speaking the kingdom of God here on this earth. You ever think when you pray, this is why I think the apostle Paul, when, when he wrote those words, when he penned those words, that the Holy Spirit, uh, intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. When he writes that, what he's saying is, is the kingdom of God is now manifested inside of me. And that is what's happening throughout what I'm saying. And so I'm believing that what I'm praying, what I'll be doing is activating the kingdom of God to come upon this earth because that's how Jesus tells us to pray. And so it's that powerful. And of course, uh, our humility when we do pray, when you're praying, you understand that's one of the most humble acts you can do. And so I say this a lot. Humility is the fragrance that attracts God. You ought to put someone, we'll put some prayer on because here's the thing. We're saying we can't, but God, you can I don't know what to do in this situation, but God, you do. I don't know what to say in this situation, but God, you do. So even when that young man was talking to me the other day, 20-year-old young man, trying to figure out what he's going to do with his life, and he just approaches me, in my spirit, I'm praying for him, saying, Lord, give me the words that will impact him. You know what he wanted me? He wanted somebody first to hear what he had to say. So instead of me listening to reply, I tried to listen to understand. Because in, in reality, man, some of the stuff he, he was saying, I was like, man, you're a nut job. Can I? That's recorded. Then take that one off. Can we do that? <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, I don't think of people that way, but some of the things he was saying was just, I was like, geez, I, really? Come on. And, and, but the Lord, I said, Lord, give me the words that maybe he will hear. Right. So instead of trying to, to, to really, uh, listen to reply. I needed to listen to understand. And that means that I had to be connecting with God inside of my spirit to know what to say to him during that time. The second thing I would say is learn to pray through his power. 
So Mary, of course, if you've seen any movies uh, with Mary and all the stuff that's happening, what happens with Mary? Oftentimes, she, uh, the, the, the angel encounters Mary when she's alone, when she's by herself. Uh, the power of God shows up. So Acts 1 and 7 and 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, right? Both here and all the way throughout the ends of the earth. And so know that there is power with your prayer. So anytime that we pray, it activates God's power upon this earth. And we've kind of already covered that. I'm just kind of reinforcing that and trying to put words to it, man. All right, some of the strongest prayer warriors are often not the loudest, but they're the most consistent. Listen to that. Some of the strongest prayer warriors are not the most loud, right? I've got some guys that I pray with at times that can absolutely, I believe the heavens came to earth, right? And they're calling them down. Those people are awesome to get around because they'll encourage and strengthen your faith and what they pray. But sometimes it's not the loudest. It's the most consistent. God desires for us to humble ourselves. And as we pray, it activates his, his, his power upon this earth. You know, Jesus said it this way, I do nothing except for what I see my father doing. He humbles himself, but he understands the great power that exists through prayer and through communication with his father. The third and final thing is learn to pray for the glory of God. Because what happens is when you see your prayers being answered, some of you men know this, what happens? There's no doubt we gain confidence in our prayers, right? But confidence is not a bad thing. Pride is. And if confidence leads to this place of pride, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. So we have to say, golly, you know, so sometimes I know that God has has spoken to my heart and said, you don't need to tell anybody how that happened. Just say glory to God. Yeah, but Lord, I said that prayer three days ago. You heard I was on my knees praying for that person and it happened. Lord, you know. And God said, wait a minute, but it didn't happen through you, right? You called the kingdom into play. That's awesome. But you communicate with me. I, I I love to give good gifts to my children. So that's a good gift, right? And so here's the thing. Uh, we've got to learn to give God the glory. Pray, God, may you receive the glory, not man. We don't need more followers of man in this in this world. Good lands. If men are not pointing people to Jesus and they're pointing at themselves, uh, they've got the messiahship, you know, uh, what do we call that? The messiah complex. Yeah. And that's dangerous. That's dangerous, men. And so, so we don't need that. If a miracle happens, just remember to God be the glory. Somebody said Sunday as I was walking out, Curtis, that was a great sermon. I don't hear that often. And I want to say, yeah, man, it was. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I said to God be the glory because in reality, uh, there's just, it's really not, I don't see myself, you know, I, I would watch Stephen Furtick. Let me just say it that way. Right. But people who have pr- prayed and witnessed miracles, um, they sometimes get a following and that's, that can be okay if they're pointing people to Jesus. But just let me say, uh, to God be the glory. See, it happened to the apostles as well. People followed the apostles. I mean, when shadows are causing people to be raised from the dead, this is going to get a following. But they pointed people to Jesus, to God be the glory. So bring God's glory into it and watch what he does with it because that is the kingdom of God happening on purpose.